Alright, run it. To the Aka Minority Podcast, episode 190. I am one of your hosts, Jesus Shuttlesworth, aka Fred Hampton, and this is the episode that I quite frankly been waiting for all my life. At least in my existence of knowing the Black Panthers, I have wanted to see their representation on my screen since I was a young kid. And then just reading more into it and learning about Fred, learning about Angela, learning about Huey, learning about Bobby, knowing a Black Panther. like So my experience with this has been deeply rooted. So with a deeply rooted spirit, I was very cautious about having high expectations when it came to Judas and the Black Messiah. Judas and the Black Messiah tells the story of actually William O'Neill as opposed to Fred Hampton. It actually tells a, a like a couple weeks in Fred Hampton's life, but the, it basically talks up. It basically breaks down how William O'Neill infiltrated the Black Panther Party to set Fred Hampton up for his assassination. And I can't lie to you, I'm not really one for black trauma. Like I like I actively avoid seeing movies that have involved black trauma. Like I would not watch Detroit. I'm not going to see that movie. You cannot convince me to watch that movie. I'm not watching that movie. You have movies like Twelve Years a Slave. I'm just not it's just certain movies I'm just not gonna watch. But this one I knew this was something that I had to go out and support and it was something that I had to go and see, like the birth of a nation with Nat the Nat Turner version. The Nat Turner version. I had to go see that movie. I knew the ending of that movie. I knew how it was gonna be in that movie. I knew who was gonna turn him in. I knew what was going to be done to his body, but I had to force myself to go see that movie. Because certain stories about the fight, the fight of the black people about, but the fight of black people has to be told. So I had, so I went to see that movie. I enjoyed that movie. It was artistically done well. This one, I was going to, I was nervous. I was nervous. I can't lie. As soon as I seen it was going to be make it, it was May and I see it was going to come out. I have been a ball of an emotional wreck since I seen the, since I, since they, since they first said that they was making this movie. Because these movies, as we all know, they can go left real quick. Cause you can go into the movies and you're going to see the portrayal of something and they're going to, and they can make it look as so exacerbated as possible. Like it's just so theatrical that it's hard to even distinguish what's the truth and what's false. Like what just keeps the story going. So it's like when it comes to stories and movies, I get very cautious when it comes to biopics because biopics will make somebody look like a superhero. This biopic did not make Fred Hampton look like a superhero. This biopic artistically explained Fred Hampton in the most beautiful way that you could. A complex human being that wanted to bring everybody together. So they didn't they didn't do they didn't do they didn't do the superhero thing. Like the movie starts out with William O'Neill and his Eyes on the Prize 2 interview. And this is the thing. This is something you can look up on YouTube. And it starts off with William O'Neill's Eyes on the Prize Two interview, and he's and he's disdained. And I like that they started off with a disdained William O'Neill because I, oh man, my I was I was really contemplating how this movie was going to start out, and I was like, man, they're trying, to, they're going to try like the movie, the more overall the movie. I was like, they're going to try to make us have sympathy 
for this rat buster, for this Judas, basically for Judas. They're going to make us have sympathy for Judas, because as y'all know, Judas set Jesus up to get killed, and then Judas killed himself. Fred Hampton got set up by William O'Neill, and William O'Neill ended up killing himself. They dated the Eyes on the Prize 2 at like the documentary film, the documentary came out on PBS. That day it came out, he actually killed himself. But he didn't kill. He did. But he killed himself by running into traffic. And as somebody that has a friend that has that has that committed suicide that way in eighth grade, that was like very triggering for me to learn about that. So it's it's not it's not a painless it's not a it's not a painless death per se. You're you're allowing yourself to die that way. So, but in the but in the eyes on the prize two interview, you can see that William O'Neill is ba- he's battling he's battling his demons because because you can you can tell he's battling the demons because he's trying to convince himself that what he did was no more, more no less noble than anything else in this world. Because he goes, you know. I could tell my kids and all these all my family members I was out there on the lines. I wasn't an arm tree. I wasn't an arm. Uh, I wasn't a armchair activist. I was really out here on these lines. And it's like, well, yeah, you was out here on these lines, but you was acting against the movement. Like I think it, at one point in the interview, he goes, he he actually references Fred Hampton getting murdered, and he says that he probably he says that he probably thinks that he's indirectly responsible. You are directly responsible for Fred Hampton's murder. But anyway, so the movie starts off with the movie starts off with that. And I just want to talk about a couple of things for the movie that I love the most because I, the acting was great. Yes. Dominique Fishburne back there. Amazing. Like everybody did an amazing job in the acting, but the acting of the movie was perfect. But I just wanted to talk about a couple of key components in the movie that, that I just, I personally just love. Like I love when it starts, the movie starts, right? It's a black, it's a black Panther montage. You got Huey Newton, you got Bobby Seale, you got Fred, Bobby Rush. You got, if you got all the black Panthers in there and then you see the lovely Angela Davis. And what she doing is she's telling you the same thing that I've been telling you for years on end is that the black Panther just so happened to have guns. That was not the part of the movement. That was the most important part of the movement. Cause she said they people weren't about these guns, but we out here were about these programs. These free breakfast programs, the ambulances in the community, the guns is just the byproduct of what we have to do. Because the police not na- police in our neighborhoods, then we as the people has to make sure that the people inside the neighborhood are safe. The way that you make sure that they're safe is that you arm yourself with you arm yourself with the you arm yourself with the guns that you need to protect people. Like, by no means was the Black Panther Party running around, just running into people's houses and stuff like that, and just, like, barricading, you know, barricading themselves and trying to, you know, there was not run, there was not running, the Black Panthers was not running around making this, making, being a terror to their community. They was running around saving their community. The free breakfast programs, the, you know, the free breakfast programs, whatever, feeding all the kids, they also was giving growth, they also had a food bank. Everybody in the community come get some food. They they also had they also had the legal aid. They also had the, what's what's more important. What well not more support, but one thing they also had was the legal aid program. The legal aid program was we're gonna get you a lawyer, and we're gonna help you, you know, beat whatever charges that you got. But we're also going to give you free legal education so that you can know how so we can, so that you can know what's going on, what they're trying to do to you. So in the future. You understand it clearly. So we're going to free you and we're also going to educate you. I'm going to give you bread 
and let you eat for a day. But I'm also going to teach you how to plant the seeds in your garden for your for your fruit can grow. So that's one. So that's the thing that I love about the Black Panthers Party the most. And it really and it really not not makes me mad. But I really hate when you always see somebody talking about the Black Panther Party and they neglect they neglect they neglect to mention the these type of things because the guns cool whatever cool yay big guns whatever i like that they 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 spoke and they walked with the <laughs> with a purpose because having guns is cool but it's like okay what what do we walk around with this what are we, what are we doing with these guns let's, let's get some let's get some let's get some let's get some life back into our let's get some life back into let's get some life back into our community so i love that about the black panther party Everything about this movie is pulling from real life. These, like, the movie is straight out of the FBI covert files. Like, you got J. Edgar Hoover calling the Black Panther Party the single greatest threat to national security. That's something they actually said. And it's actually pretty funny because at the time, the U.S. claims that we was at quote-unquote war with China and the Chinese and Russia, Sputnik, communism, you know, things of that nature. But the Black, but the Black Panther Party is the single greatest threat to to society the people that are just feeding kids and giving groceries to elderly to giving groceries to the elderly helping people get an education making sure that the neighborhoods are safe that's the biggest threat to society not russia that you claim are on our ass and these russian spies are coming into our and coming to america to bring down america whatever not that it was <laughs> black panthers feeding the feeding their community I also liked it when they was talking about Jagger Hoover. Jagger Hoover is a piece of shit. He's a piece of shit. When they talk about Jagger Hoover, talking about how he want to present the the rise of a black messiah, and then that Fred Hampton comes up on the screen, and Fred Hampton talking about how you fight communism, you can't fight, you know, not communism because Fred Hampton was a communist. How you can't fight um American greed with more American greed. You got to fight it with socialism. You got to fight it with communism. You got to fight it with sharing and loving each other. So that was always so that was like a pretty that was a pretty funny pretty funny that was a pretty funny moment. In a movie, basically, Fred Hampton is denouncing all the greed of America, and J. Edgar Hoover's like, nah, fuck that. We gotta stop that shit. Like, the fuck you, fuck you mean? Gotta love one another. Fuck that. So, <laughs> from there, it flashes. Chicago, 1968. Not to say this 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 continuous shot that they opened up with this movie in, it blew me away. I sat back and I was like, yo, this is nice. Like all you see is a trench all you see is a trench coat. The nighttime of Chicago. So like the lights are bouncing off the the bouncing off the grounds giving off this aura. You see somebody in a you see somebody in a trench coat, the wingtip shoes, they're just tapping. They just tapping. It's Chicago it's, it's a Chicago scene. It's a Chicago nineteen nineteen sixty-eight scene. You see a trench coat, the shoes, it just it just all I all I thought was, oh, this is nice. This is real nice. You don't even know who this is because it's just one continuous shot from the back of the person. All you see is the flapping of that trench coat. You know I love a trench coat, so it's just flapping. It's just flapping in the wind. But then the person stops by a car. It's a nice car. And I and I giggle. I can't lie. I giggled when this person stopped by the car because, like I said, you couldn't tell who the person was when it first came. When when it first when the scene first opens up, you cannot tell who it is. You just see this glorious nightlife. You just see this glorious street in Chicago, right? But when he stopped, I giggled because I knew who it was. 
I said, oh, this is this is William O'Neill. And I was like, damn, I just paid a compliment to William O'Neill. It's like when you see that, it's like, and not comparing it, but just, just, just giving you reference. It's like when that meme that was going around about the Picasso, but not the Picasso, the meme that was going around about this painting is going, oh, you think this painting looks nice, huh? The yeah, well, Hitler painted it. So it's like, wow, I just gave a compliment, you know, wow, wow, a piece of, wow, a piece of shit, a piece of shit is looking nice. So I just gave a, I just gave a compliment in my, in my head to a piece of shit. So anyway, as I know, William O'Neill is a carjacker. William O'Neill is dressed way too nice to be jacking cars. So he's like, okay, is this the night that he steal the car? Or they're just setting it up for something else. So William O'Neill jacks the car, thinks he gets away. <laughs> whoop, 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 whoop. But the story goes a little, but but the story goes a little differently in actual real life because again, this is a movie, so they're not really they're they're sticking they're sticking to the actual the actual pieces of the story, but they're but they're mushing the timeline together a little a little bit because William O'Neill he wasn't actually brought in to for questioning by the FBI to a couple weeks later cuz they caught him joyriding across state lines so he actually stole the car and was joyriding with his friend and they went across state lines that's how he ended up getting caught like he was up across state lines in a stolen car blah 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 so the police so the so you know the FBI brings him in and that's when he meets special special agent Mitchell special agent Mitchell from the get go was just got special agent Mitchell spent this whole movie gaslighting so how did you feel when Martin Luther King was killed? The fuck I don't you know he like the fuck the fuck I don't I don't know. That's when I kind of low key knew that William O'Neill was a piece of shit. And it's, well, if you didn't if you couldn't guess, it's like oh well he's a piece of shit. So I fucking didn't even he didn't like he didn't even he didn't even he didn't have enough respect for the man to fate like he gave a fuck. Like how did you feel when Malcolm how did you feel when Malcolm X was killed? Like he just didn't have a fu- didn't have a fuck of an opinion, right? So he's talking to him, you know, special agent Mitchell's talking to him. And this is the one of the most important parts in the movie that I really wanted to talk about is because when he pulls out the badge and he goes, why the badge? Cause as you cause as, cause as you, cause, cause what happens is William O'Neill is impersonating an FBI agent to steal cars. Now that's some stupid shit. Cause the crown, when he goes in the bar and the crowns ask him, but why the why the fuck they go why the fuck why the fuck is the FBI investigating stolen cars? You niggas ran y'all y'all ran out of niggas to assassinate foreshadowing. So it's it's a dumb so it's a dumb thought to be using it to steal cars. But his response to why why a why why a badge instead of a gun like a normal criminal when he says people fear like people fear gun people fear the gun people fear the badge. Like the the badge is scarier than a gun, and and you know Special Agent Mitchell looks and he's not really that versed in what he what he's saying because you know Special Agent Mitchell is he's a white man, but if you tell a black but 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 from a black person point of view, a person that a person that holds a badge holds all the power. You might feel you might feel a you might you might sense offense a you might you might sense a you might sense a piece of danger with somebody with a gun, but a, but a dang, but you're going to, but you're going to, for more or less, more or less for better or worse, you're going to do what a person with a bat says does because going again, going back to the crowns, when he went into that bar, they got, they put their hands on that pool table. They didn't question it until they actually seen his face and seen that William O'Neill's a 17 year old 
that's when it went left. But when they actually thought that he was an FBI agent, regardless of how stupid it's made, how stupid it seemed that an FBI agent will be investigating a stolen car, even throwing in the fact that the man car, that the, the car that the man, that the William O'Neill said was stolen, wasn't actually stolen. And the dude was so goddamn frustrated by the cops trying to tell him his shit was stolen. He actually just went along. He went along with it temporarily. He could hear what he was. He was helpless. So when he says that a that a badge is more scarier than a gun, that just shows that William O'Neill, through all of this, actually had a brain inside of his head. He just never he never used it for the right things. Special Agent Mitchell is gaslighting him still, and he lets him know, well, you can get you can get eighteen months for the car, but you're gonna get five years for a person an officer, or you can become a mole. So you already know, you already know what William O'Neill did. <laughs> they came mo, infiltrated the F, infiltrated the Black Panther Party. One of the things I love most about this movie is that Fred Hampton's depiction in this movie, without a shadow of a doubt, was so on point. Because when they, when you first see Fred Hampton, he's leaning in the chair, tilted. Like, he's giving off that, I'm too cool for school, I'm listening, but I'm not really listening, because what I'm about to say to you, like, he's he's that rapper at the, ra- he's that rapper at the battle that got a 16, that's about to, that about to shut the place down, so he's watching the other rappers freestyle, so he's watching the young lady on, he's watching the young lady that's, that's, that's presenting him, and they're setting it up for him to come on, she's talking about how she want to do this, how she want to do that, you know, we're going to name, we're going to rename the school, we're going to rename the school Malcolm X University, and Fred's just sitting in the chair, cooler than a cucumber, Easy like a Sunday morning. I'm like, this man should get a he should get whatever awards are available. He should get an Oscar. He should get an Oscar for the way he was just sitting in that chair. The way he had that head tilt. The way he was just so nonchalantly chilling. And when she said, We should we we're we gonna get this school renamed Malcolm X University. He scoffs at it. You know that you know that black people scoff that. <laughs> <laughs> you know how you how you go <laughs> you throw that head you throw that head you throw that head nod in there like oh okay like it wasn't because it wasn't because he respected Malcolm X and Martin Luther King but it was but he but he just that whole thing about renaming the school Malcolm X University he wasn't actually for because when he got up and talked he was like it was like you can rename you can rename the, you can rename you can rename the school all you want but changing the but changing the college still gonna be the same shit. They gonna drag your ass to Vietnam to shoot another pole motherfucker that can't defend themselves. So the so it doesn't really matter about what you name the school if you're not gonna fix the school. Cause he goes on to say that the difference between a revolution and reform. Reform is just them is just the mass to teach the slaves how to be better slaves. If you take away the master. If you take away the master out of the equation, this slave still going to do the work for them, i.e. the government, the corporations. So no matter the color of the capitalist, it's still going to be capitalist. So they just basically show like how in that one moment, they show how Fred Hampton's mind work. Like he's not for reform because like he said, reform just going to teach a slave how to be a better slave policemen and things of that nature it's like you got to break you got to break the whole system down and set it back up because he goes on this because he's also goes on this dialogue about how i don't care how you dress to bring about the revolution but bring it about the revolution nonetheless 
He's talking all this shit. He was talking about all this stuff and that the she could do leave. He goes, well, just I'm just trying to give you the two. Give me tools, brother. Cause we can st- cause we can stand around and talk about it. We can stand we can stand around and talk. You and your friends think about all the friends, some of your friends you got. You can stand around and talk about it all day. We can use the podcast for example. I can say Melon's podcast. I'm gonna talk about Fred Hampton. I'm gonna talk about Black Lives Matter. I'm gonna talk about changing this system. I'm gonna talk about getting these crooked politicians out of out of our out of our government. I can talk about it all day, but till I start being about it. No change gonna come. Like they just think if all the things I've did in life, I just talked about it. So when Fred Hampton's like, "Yeah, you in that dashiki? That's cool. Yeah, we talking about changing the school and all this other stuff. That's cool. But what actions are we gonna actually take in this place right now to bring about some change immediately? Because Fred Hampton always understood that the children are the future, and that you can." outline something to change it right that second the whole black panther party the whole black panther basically whole black panther party belief system was i'm gonna teach you the mission you know war war is politics without bloodshed politics is war without bloodshed right so it's like i'm gonna bring you in i'm gonna teach you i'm gonna teach you the teaching and also give you everything that you need while helping you understand that we got to pass this knowledge on so that was something that always struck to me at Fred Hampton and all this other stuff. So you see the so you see the creation of the Black Panther Black Panther schools. They teaching everybody. You want to be down? You got to learn. Want to be down? We are gonna teach you. We are gonna teach you. We are gonna teach you our way. War is politics with bloodshed. Politics is war without bloodshed. So like we're gonna teach you the we're gonna teach you the basics of things. I'm gonna call you my comrade. You know, I'm going to teach you about what actually socialism and communism is actually about. I'm going to teach you about this because the government, of course, the government, of course, our government is going to tell you that these things are bad. But I'm going to actually teach you about, I'm going to actually teach you about these things, right? I'm going to actually get out in these streets and I'm going to let these people, I'm going to touch the people. We're not above the people. We are here for the people. We can go out in these streets and we're going to tell them about the free breakfast program. And I want y'all to remember I want y'all to keep in mind that first lady, when he's on the street telling them about the free breakfast program, I want you to remember her. Because later on in the film, when the, as the Illinois chapter grows, that same lady joins the she joins the black she joins the Black Panther movement. And but that's not the last time you see her. So keep her keep her in mind again. Because that's not the last time you see her. But Fred Hampton is actually out I love that the movie was depicting Fred Hampton in the way that he was. They didn't try to make him look like a superhero. They didn't have him out here busting heads and, and fighting crime and getting people they didn't have no stupid ass shit where it was like, cause you know these movies, they love, they love, they love to depict these, they love to depict these scenes that you know for a fucking fact never fucking happened. I love that they didn't have Fred Hampton in the middle of two gang members about to go blow to blow, toe to toe with guns drawn or some shit like that. Like it's just, that's went through my, that went through my head when thinking about a movie about Fred Hampton being made. I was like, man, they about to try to make this man, oh, they about to oversell the story. Because Fred Hampton is a credible person himself. So you don't actually have to oversell his story by any stretch of the imagination. So I was like, you really don't have to do that. But you know, but, but but Hollywood. Hollywood would do. I was like, Hollywood would do something like that. Hollywood would have this man out here looking larger than life. 
which actually in the end makes people deterred from thinking they can do something because you done made it such an unattainable reach. But it's like it wasn't an unattainable reach because as I'm going to talk about more about just Fred Hampton's life, you're going to understand that he was a complex human being. Everything he did wasn't perfect, but it, but he, but he had the conviction behind it and some knowledge behind it. Like everything wasn't perfect. So he was, so he's not above criticism, but I just was happy that they did not make the Black Panther Party look like peaches and rainbows. And, you know, this is like the, like the part where, you know, this goes the part where William O'Neill's reporting back to back to the back to the FBI. And the thing about William O'Neill, again, going back to William O'Neill, is that William O'Neill's reporting back to the FBI everything that's going on. The FBI keep on telling him, nah, they did that in the third. So you're seeing firsthand that the FBI is lying to you, but you're still going about executing the plan that they put in place for you. You sold your soul you sold your soul and you sold them you're selling again you're selling your soul and you're selling the movement. Because shit, at one point, at one point in the movie, William O'Neill actually calls Roy Mitchell a fucking role model. And Roy Mitchell keep on talking that black shit. Like, oh, you know, I'm this, that, and the third. This man is sitting here trying to, he's fully, he's fully trying to convince you that an organization that you're now a part of, that you're now privy to conversations that other people are not open to hearing or seeing about, right? He's now telling you about an organization that you're in. It's like if somebody trying to tell me, y'all, you know, you know, you know, Jesus, you know, Jesus Shuttlesworth, he be eating, he be, how about, he be eating meat. And I'm like, and you like, Jesus Shuttlesworth and never ate him piece. He never, he's, he's a vegan. He don't eat meat. Well, I seen him eat meat. It's like, well, when did he eat this meat? Well, I got it here. And it's like, well, you never actually, you're not, you're, you're never actually telling me. You're actually telling me anything. You're telling me what you believe in your heart. Because nobody can just be this clean and be feeding the children or whatever. Blah, blah, blah. So so the FBI is sitting here telling William O'Neill about some shit they believe to be true. While not having any evidence that what they believe to be true to be the truth. <laughs> By, while the FBI is writing propaganda. The FBI wrote that note about the crowns and and the Black Panthers, and that was the cra- that was the craziest shit ever. Because it's like, okay, three three white men in the room trying to talk jive, <laughs> which make what does make which make would honestly like for this movie to be so for this movie to be so heavy when he actually when Fred Hampton actually does go to meet the crowns, it did it did I I giggled again I giggled because you know when when the, when the um. He go meet the he go meet the crowns and the dude recognized William O'Neill because William O'Neill tried to jack the car. Well, William O'Neill actually jacked the car from the from a for a couple crown a couple crown couple crown gang members in the beginning of the movie. But the movie also, but the movie, and this is this is and this is just to touch on this. The movie actually doesn't portray. Fred Hampton as a superhero because what he did with the what he did with the inner city gangs in Chicago is some real shit. He united them. Like you see the way he went in the movie when he goes in there and he talks to the crowns about, you know, I get I get what you're saying, brother. Like I get what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, I get I get how y'all get down. I like how y'all get down. But listen, kick it like let me kick it to you like this. If you actually team up with us, 
we can reach more people. We can get more children, this, that, and the third. Like, cool, what y'all doing is great, blah, 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 blah. You know what I'm saying? He never came at them from a ju- from a judgmental point of view. Like, Frank Hampton, the person, would re- was re- uniting the gangs. Like, I'm just glad they didn't, and I'm just glad they didn't articulate it in, like, a really cheesy ass, he stepped in the middle, he stepped in the middle of two gang members while they were fighting, he talked them down. Like, nah, I like that when he went to the bar. I like that when he went to the bar to talk to the crowns about the free breakfast program, and they went trying to hear that shit. Like, I like that they, I like that they put it so that it was, that it was not, like, all roses and sunshine, right? They, they got a fair depiction of it, because think about change. When it comes to change, most people are not trying to hear that shit. Like, the underlings of the crowns was not trying to hear that shit. But when he brought it to the big man, like, yo, man, we can do, we can really bring about some change in our, in our society. We can bring about some change in Chicago. I need you down. I need you down. I'm not hoping you get down. I need, we need you down with us right now to bring about this shit, right? So he went to the gangs. He didn't judge them. He didn't go, I know y'all gang banging and all this stuff. Can y'all stop this, that, and the third? I just need y'all to get down with us. Cause gangs, I don't like gangs, but gangs do have a unique way of recruiting people that seem to be efficient. If it, it would be just nice that they would do other things inside of these organizations of men that come together, that come together and wear the same colors. That's all I gotta say for that. And from there, you know, and from just speaking of that, because he was able, Fred Hampton was able to unite the gang members, but he was also able to bring about getting the 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 poor whites of Chicago together. Now, I know I just I know I just said that they didn't try to make him look like a superhero, but they kind of brushed in the movie. They kind of brushed over the young patriot, the young patriots when he went to because when he went because when he went to meet the white people in in the in that in that church or whatever in the in the, at their meeting spot that was the young patriots the young patriots the actual is the actual organization that was on the south side of chicago that was on the south side of chicago it was started by jack jack junebug right jack junebug started the young patriots because a lot of after the civil war and things of that nature a lot of poor whites they migrated to chicago up north for a better opportunity in life now if it's one thing, if it's one thing that people, if it people, motherfuckers are racist, right? But motherfuckers really do not like white poor people. So a lot of white poor people, when they came to Chicago, they was met with hesitance. Like, yeah, you white, but you're not our type of white. You're like trailer, you know, you're you're southern white, and it's a, it, apparently that's a difference because you're you'll read articles about this community of the southern whites that migrated to to Chicago, and it's like, oh, you know, they're hill billies they're this that and third you know they're slow and you know they're slow to talk but they're quick with a knife basically depicting these people as animals but heathens type things basically depicting them the same the same way that they depict the black people in chicago is the same way that they depict the southern whites now the, but the thing about the one of the things that I do like about the Young Patriots is that the Young Patriots kinda was on the same movement as the Black Panthers. They had a they had a skill like Junebug had a skill to unite people. He knew how to get the Southern whites to be a part of something. Now this is before trolling was an actual thing or bait. It was I, let's not say trolling clickbait. Because it was it was before clickbait was a thing. Because this is the, this is the sixties. So he was able to take the Confederate flag, right? 
And they'll use that as propaganda. You know, they'll use that as their propaganda. Oh, you know, we're from the Southern, you know, our Southern heritage. He gets your ass in there to those meetings. He'll let you know, oh, fuck with that flag. Fuck that flag. Fuck that flag, right? He'll get, he'll get you in that meeting. He done got you in this meeting. He done riled you up, your racist ass up in there in this meeting. He's like, you know what? I don't like this fucking flag. This flag is fucking ugly. This flag represents some bullshit. This is a flag we really shouldn't. Is this is a flag we really shouldn't be rep. We really shouldn't have no pride about because at the end of the day, like, because when they go, because when Fred Hampton goes and he talks to, he goes and he talks to the young patriots. That's one of the things he said is that, yeah, yeah, some of y'all, some of y'all, some of y'all family members wasn't slave owners, but some of y'all family members should have been right beside the fucking slaves and rebelling against the system because your ass was poor too. So we are. So it's like shit. We all in the same boat. It's like your your fucking family members should have been right beside the should have been right beside the slaves rebelling against the system because the system was fucking. The system might have not. The system might have not have been fucking you as bad as they was fucking. That was fucking the black people. But in, but nonetheless, you're getting fucked as well. Like that. Like that was like the thing that like kept. That's the thing that kept like a lot of southerners out of shit. Is like okay, cool. You're getting fucked. But look at the blacks. The blacks are in chains. Your ass is free. Your ass is quote unquote free. You're broken free. But you're free nonetheless, right? So like the system was always put in place to make the poor think that, hey, it could be worse off. So when you see the black people there enslaved, your ass is your ass is your ass is not not as worth your ass is just a little better. Cause your ass is quote you're quote unquote free, but you're broke. So like he was saying, it's like, yo, you should have, y'all motherfuckers should have been with the slave. Y'all should have been trying to get the slave free, free so that y'all can rebel against these slave masters. But you didn't do that. But here's a chance for you to direct the, basically here's a chance for you to become an ally. And that's what the Black Panthers offer the young patriots. Because when, because Jack, because the Black Panthers was scheduled to speak at an event at a church, and the Young Patriots, the leader of the Young Patriots, um, Junebug was was scheduled to speak at a was speak scheduled to speak at an event too. So that was double booked, and through you know through learning and listening, it's like wait a minute, we got a lot in common. Like I want to do good for my community, you want to do good for your community. Because at this time, the Black Panther Party had the free educate. You know, they had the free education systems. They had the they had the food programs. They had the ambulance programs and the Young Patriots. So you get the young, so you get like minded people to link up and do some things. Then you, you know you can spread the knowledge and that shit grows because the Young Patriots went on to have the same exact things that the that the Black Panther Party was doing. Because the Black Panther Party knew, okay, we really can't. We really can't do too much with you. Not, 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 not in the fact that we can't do too much with you because we don't believe in your belief system. But I can't talk that talk to the vast majority of poor whites. It has to be a poor white person that's going to guide them. So we, so us leaders, you take care of your community. I take care of my community. We link up when need be. It's like when a lot of us talk about how people from the inner city, it's like, I can tell a person from the inner city how to do this, that, and the third. Most of them are not going to listen because I'm not, I've never been in their shoes. I never had to, you know, I never had to contemplate doing bad, you know, contemplate doing certain things in my society because I grew up in suburbs of Atlanta. I grew up in Atlanta, but I grew up on a different side of Atlanta. So it's hard, so it's hard to tell somebody that's never been in your shoes how to move, but if you have somebody that came from that same environment telling them the same exact thing that I am telling them, they're going to listen. 
like Jay-Z, like people, like Jay-Z would tell you some things and it's some shit we learned years ago, but it's like Jay-Z would tell you and you're going to listen to Jay-Z, but it's the same shit that a lot of us been telling you about, but you have more respect for somebody that walked in the same, that walked down the same path as you. So you're going to, so you're going to take heed to what they're saying. So the young Patriots and the black Panther party linking up was like the ultimate. And then you bring in the crowns and then you bring in the young Lords. Oh man. You have all the marginalized people in Chicago together. And that's why I say, that's why I'm like, you, I don't really, I try not to, I try not to refer to Fred Hampton as a superhero because then it makes it seem like what he did is like an out of reach thing. But that's how powerful he was that he was able to bring every marginalized group together to form the Rainbow Coalition. I got your back. You got my back. We can go in here. We gonna fight this system together. Like you don't, see, you don't see that. You don't see that now. I always say, I always have this. I always, have, I always say this thing that whenever poor white people stop voting against their, stop working actively working against their own interests, America is going to be in trouble. Like America idolized America, America's way of belief is going to be in trouble because now they're going to see that they, that their enemy is not actually the black people is the people is the, it's the people up top that's keeping your ass down. That's making you think that it's that, that you should be, that I should be your enemy. Now that the movie gets all deep and heavy and you got the rainbow coalition forming and you got everybody showing, you got everybody showing up for the, to, to stand against the police that killed, that killed a young Lord. They stand outside the police office and they're calling for justice. And you got Fred Hampton grabbing the mic. And you got the young Lord's leader grabbing the mic. You got the young Patriots grabbing the mic. And you got the crowns there too. I know. And I, and I know that by this point we done we done went too far off the deep end. But I really wanted them to include the ice cream trial because the ice the ice cream trial, which is basically the ice cream trial is what led Fran Hampton to jail because Fran Hampton was convicted of stealing stealing seventy dollars worth of ice cream. And Fran Hampton is famously quoted as saying, Now I know I'm a big motherfucker, but I can't eat seventy dollars worth of ice cream. I guess they didn't want to lighten the mood of the movie, but they should have put that in there because Fred Hampton gets locked up. Then as Fred Hampton gets locked up, William O'Neill is William O'Neill at that time is moving up through the ranks. He's moving up through the ranks. He then became head defense. You know, he then became head of defense. He then became head of defense of the New Orleans, of, of New Orleans, of the Illinois chapter of the Black Panther Party. Fred Hampton. The snitch, the one that's reporting back to the FBI about everything that's going on, is now head of defense. And this is where they meet George. And this, and this, and this is the part of the this is part of the movie where George, where George Sam pulls up, where George Sam comes up, and this, and this part is a sneaky, dirty piece of sh that's a piece of shit like William O'Neill's a piece of shit but George Sam is also a piece of shit cause he cause that George Sam is a state is a is a former Black Panther that was that, that turned state's evidence so he's so he's also working in cahoots against the against the Black Panthers he late he know he later lies he later lies on Bobby Seale and said that Bobby Seale arranged the the kidnapping and the murdering of a Black Panther but we all but we come to find out that's not true because when the because when the trial when the 
Because <clears throat> when the New Hampshire Black Panther trial starts, you find out that Bobby Seale, Bobby Seale not only had no recollection of this, but Bobby Seale wasn't even in the state. Bobby Seale was not in Connecticut. So you have things, so you have things, so you have things like that. We have things like that where you just like Sam, Sam Smith, Sam, Sam Smith, George Smith is just a piece of shit. But what makes it more fucked up is the FBI knew that George, that George, that George Sam killed, killed the dude. They knew, they knew that he did, right? They knew that he did. So instead of them arresting him, they let him quote unquote go, they let him quote unquote go on the run. Basically, when if you go on the run and you're and you're and you're believed to be like you believe to kill somebody or whatever, every building you enter gives the FBI probable cause because you are now harboring a fugitive. So when you so when so when you see um George Sam in there, he's talking about how we smoked out that that in informant and blah 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 blah. He's the fucking informant and that gives and the FBI was able to raid the Black Panther Party office. That's how they able to do it because you're quote unquote harvesting harvesting a fugitive. And at this time and at this time I like and I know I keep on bringing this up, but I have to commend them for this because it's even hard for me to talk about these things is that when Fred Hampton got locked up, the when Fred Hampton got locked up, the Black Panther Party for more le- for more or less started losing discipline. Shit started getting wild. Like a lot of cuz you got to remember a lot of these people they're coming from you you just convince gang you just convince gang members to not do this that and third. You just convince people from the street to not do this that and third. So when you get locked up the person that's constantly in their ear telling them to do right, he's gone. He's gone, and you're trying to tell him, and you're trying to tell them, oh, we can beat the system, but the system took away your leader. The system took away that leader that you was leaning on for the support to stay on the straight and narrow. So they out here just, bu- so they out here for more or less were just bugging. They shoot, you know, they out here shooting. They pulling guns on cops to Jimmy, Jimmy shooting the cop. I'm like, man, it, they had to, but I like that they put that in there. They did again. They did not sugarcoat this movie in no way, shape, or form. Because that part was like, whoa. Because they had to put it in there. Because that's something that happened at the um when Fred Hampton got locked up. A lot of gang at like, like not a lot of gang. A lot of shoot. A lot of a lot of a lot of loose discipline was happening. Like the black, like a lot of Black Panthers was out here doing a lot of things. So I like that they put that in the movie and they did not shy away from it. Whew. Yeah, so then you got the cops, so because then, so that leads, so that basically, so that walks you, so that walks you in, because they, they set it up perfectly, because that walks you into the infamous shootout that the Black Panthers, again, because they do not portray the Black Panthers as being the most hottiest, mightiest peaches and rainbows. I like that they show that, yes, they, yes, they, yes, they are the, yes, they are, they are the people they are they are on the right they are on the right side, but they did they did do some things that was a little wilding. Cause you shouldn't uh, as much as I as much as you don't like unless you don't like somebody don't start don't don't have no shootout with the cops. Like when they had to shoot out with the cops and the cops somebody they claimed to see a sniper on the roof and all those other things when it really was William O'Neill blah 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 blah. Then the rat the school then you know the community comes together to help rebuild what was burnt down because the cop the cops actually did the cops actually did burn down the Black Panther office because again at this point the FBI the FBI and the and the and the Chicago cops are basically working in cahoots to try to antagonize the Black Panther Party into a full out war. 
So that's what I'm saying. They they wasn't they wasn't they wasn't right, but they also wasn't wrong because Fred Hampton would not Fred Hampton would never have allowed that. Fred Hampton would never have allowed them to buy into that trap. Like when he was getting locked up, and he told and he told them show some discipline. Cause once you cause cause once you play into their hand, it's no going back on it. Because yes, they're in the wrong. Yes, they're wrong for this. But you can't play into their hand because then they got you right where they want to. They want to have a war with you. That's not how you beat the system. You can't beat the. You can't go to war. You can't go to war with the system that way. You cannot go to war with the system because the the you cannot go to war with the system the way that the the system wants you to go to war with it because the war the system built this war. You can't beat the creator at their own game. You have to be. You have to find another way to beat them, and just going to flat out war with them was never going to be the answer. And Fred Hampton knew that. The Black Panther Party overall knew that. But because you was bringing in so many new recruits, it's like, okay, cool. We got you're down with us, but you're not fully immersed in it yet. So that was losing a little bit of discipline while Fred Hampton was locked up. And the cops did burn down the Black Panther Party. Did burn down the Black Panther Party. Chicago, Illinois chapters off. And so that is some things that you can look that up. That is some things that happen. And then we have then you know, you have Fred you have Fred not Fred Hampton, you have Edgar Allen Hoover. Bitch ass motherfucker, man. And all this is going on, J. Edgar Hoover, bitch ass. They give they give they giving they giving like updates and tabs on the Black Panthers and they show this picture of Bobby Seal and I want you to go back and watch the movie and I want you to pause it. And I'm gonna explain this I'm gonna explain this picture to you. Because if you're if you're not from if you're not familiar with the trial of Chicago Seven, then you didn't really catch then you didn't really catch that then you didn't really catch that subtle that subtleness of the picture, and then you throw in the fact that J. Edgar Hoover goes, "Oh, look at Bobby looking all cozy in court." That picture that J. Edgar Hoover is so lovingly looking at is a picture of Bobby Seale chained and gagged. In court, it's some dark shit because the trial, the trial of Chicago Seven, involves like some involves some things that happened in August 1968 when a group of people basically went to Chicago, went to went went to Chicago to protest the protest the Vietnam War and other and other things, and then Bob, Bobby Seale, a person that was just invited to speak at the event to speak at a couple rallies, was caught up in this just because of his namesake. Because when and this is no spoiler, y'all. This is you can watch that. That's a movie you can watch on Netflix is on Netflix. The Trial of Chicago Seven is it's a pretty good movie. Even if you don't even even it's a pretty great movie because it just speaks to how much of the situation in this movie Bobby Seal Bobby Seal and the whole thing doesn't belong in it. Like if like if you if you was to watch this movie and I was just, and you, if you was to watch this movie and you had no knowledge of who Bobby Seale is, you have no knowledge of the Chicago Seven, like you have no knowledge of Vietnam, you would swear this is like a fucking com. You would swear this is like a comedy. You would swear this is like a parody of some real life shit because Bobby Seale is on trial for some for for a conspiracy against the United States of America with you know against for the for the for the anti Vietnam bombings and you know trials and shit like this. But he has nothing. 
nothing to do with any of this. He just got roped in. He just he just got roped into this because it was there was charged with conspiracy and crossing state lines with attention of inciting a riot at the nineteen sixty eight the Democratic National Convention in Chicago. Again, Bobby Seale has nothing to do with any of that. But when you watch the movie, it's almost like it's a comical relief in it. But it's fucked up when you realize this is some real shit. Because he goes, why the hell am I even here? I was in Chicago for 48 hours. I ate a cheese. You know, I ate a, I ate a, I ate a ham sandwich. I gave a speech and I went home. And the whole time, he's this whole time, he's on, he's, he's on trial. He's on a trial with these other seven people. Two of them are fucking comedians. The other one, his law, his lawyer, the day of the trial, he comes down, got to get surgery, so he's not able to represent Bobby. And the whole time, Bobby's like, "Yo, I don't even have my fucking lawyer. I don't have fair representation. You can't try me for a trial. You can't, you can't, you can't sit, you can't put me before a tr- you can't put me before a jury and face and face trial without a fucking without a without a lawyer." So, but that's a movie you have to watch. It's different. That's a whole different, different movie you have to watch. But to explain the picture, what happens is Bobby keep the Bobby keeps on speaking to his innocence. I rather represent. I rather represent myself. You're not going to keep on setting me up for failure. I'm not being represented. If those seven are being represented by his lawyer, I'm not being represented by his lawyer. It's not my lawyer. He keeps on. He just keeps on letting you. He just keeps on speaking on his behalf in the courtroom to the point to the point that his judge is asked asses. That that asses that Bobby is gagged and chained so that he can so that he can quote unquote stop disrupting the court or disrupting the trial, the disrupting the courtroom. He's he's in contempt of the court. He's in contempt of the court. So they really gagged this man, mind you. The rest of mind you, the the trial of Chicago Seven. Everybody that's on trial gets to go home every day. It's just Bobby that has to stay. It's Bobby that has to stay in jail and and taken to a jail cell every night because of because of his quote unquote connection with the killings of some cops in 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 Connecticut. He's also not convicted spoiler alert, he's also not convicted of that either because that's something that he had no part in. So they set him so they basically they set him up to try to they try to set him up to get lumped into some bullshit because he didn't even fucking know them. He wasn't fucking invited. He wasn't he wasn't um involved in any of this. I would love for y'all to watch the trial of Chicago Seven. It's not a cla- it's not a it's not a palate pl- cleanser for this movie. It it take it takes some it takes some historic liberties too because Fred Hampton does not Fred Hampton dies December fourth. Bobby Bob Bobby Seal is his Bobby Seal basically what ended up when Bobby Seal gets gagged and chained. Even the attorney general was like, "Yo, this is fucked up. Like you can you gotta you this is fucked up. I don't give a fuck what you think that they did in America. It's still America. You can't be gagging and chaining people." So basically he get his he he gets thrown out of the he gets thrown his 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 um you know he gets he gets a mistrial for him. You know, he gets a mistrial never to be tried again for that to try to get for that any fucking way. So basically his he gets thrown out, so he's free. But Bobby gets thrown out and free. That's about October. Bobby Fred Hampton gets killed in you know, on December gets assassinated on December fourth. 
So they take so so the Chicago to Chicago to try the Chicago Seven takes a little takes a little liberty there, but other than, but other than that, it's a very it's a very great story. You really get to like you really get to see how America works and then trying to convict people of shit they didn't even fucking do. You should. That's some shit. You should let your kids watch it. Cause I want to. I want to. I want. I want some. I want your kids to watch that. And then I want to. I want you to ask. And I want them to see. Like, okay, why the fuck is this black man being convicted of something? He's telling you he wasn't there. The whole flashbacks. You get to see that Bobby wasn't there. But anyway. But, but anyway, going back to Fran Hampton. Fran Hampton, as the move as the movie progresses, you get to see that Fran Hampton. Is a is a is a slick. T- he's a, what the what the what the crown leader called him. This nigga got some million dollar words. Cause when he's talking to people, it's like again going back to Junebug. How Junebug used the Confederate flag as a bait and switch. Like I'm a, I'm gonna bring you in with the I'm gonna bring you in with the Confederate flag, and then once you get here, I'm gonna teach you some shit, right? So when Fred Hampton is actually talking about. Fred Hampton is actually talking to the people and you know the young lords are there, the crowns leader is there, and everybody's rallying. You know, they this is this is this is this is the day. This is like days after Fred Hampton is free. He's finally out of jail. He done did his time. He got out. He got out. Right? He's talking and he says the famous lines. To kill a pig, you get a little satisfaction. You kill some more pigs, get even more satisfaction. You kill my bad, my my bad friend, my bad friend. To kill a pig, you get a little satisfaction. <laughs> to kill some some more pigs, you get even more satisfaction. To kill all the pigs, you get complete satisfaction. And you can tell, like when he's saying this, he got them riled the fuck up, right? He got the crowd going. He got the crowd going. But also. I don't know if he was just speaking the Queen's English or if he truly believed that because it pans to like the crowns leader, it pans to the young lords, it pans, it pans, it pans to like all the, it pans, it pans to the people in the crowd. So it's like, okay, is he telling us this while not actually doing these type of things so that he can bring you in and convince you that that way might, you might get some, cause, 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 cause put it like this, I'm gonna put it like this. He said to kill a pig, you get a little satisfaction. Kill even more pigs, you get even more satisfaction. He said to kill all the pigs, you get complete satisfaction, right? He did not say anything about that bringing justice, that bringing about change. He just said you get satisfaction. You're going to feel good about it. So technically, it's like he was telling you something that you might feel. He was, so I don't know or not. Again, I don't know or not. He was speaking the Queen's English over the playbook out of the young, out of the, out of the young Patriots book. But I just know, I just, I just know that when it came time, when when William O'Neill was trying to trying to get his ass to bomb City Hall, Fred Hampton famously looked at him like, "Nigga, is you crazy?" I didn't mean that shit. Like, I think he goes far as far as to say, "I don't, I don't mean that shit." Yes, because because in the middle of this, Jake Winters gets Jake Winters dies, and that is that is a, that is a, that is a true depiction of how Jake Winters dies. May he rest in peace. He he got into a shootout with the cops because remember Jake Winters, his Jimmy Jimmy, his friend got into a shootout with the cops, so he's so he's just spiraling out of control. Jimmy, you know Jake Winters really believed Jake Winters, and I wouldn't I wouldn't put it past him. Jake Winters believed that his friend was killed killed in cold blood by the cops, like they murdered him in the hospital because he was because when he went to visit him in the hospital was nothing wrong with him as you know and then he just suddenly dies i believe he was murdered 
So Jake Winters believes that he's murdered. That shootout, that shootout that's depicted is the actual thing that ha- is the actual thing that happens, right? So you know, so when he goes, so when he, so when William O'Neill try to set him up to go, yo, you got, we just got to bomb City Hall, and they looking at him like, nigga, is you fucking crazy? And he met, and William O'Neill references it. You said to kill the pig, you get what happened to the kill the pig, you get complete satisfaction, kill them all, get put satisfaction. He's like, nigga, I don't really mean, like, I don't mean that shit. You know what I'm saying? So it's like I so it's like I fully believe that it was a play out of the uh, it was a play out of the Young Patriots playbook. That I'm gonna bait and switch you. You know what I'm saying? I'm gonna teach you. Hey, you might want to do this this way. You know, you know, like they say, to calm somebody down, you gotta you gotta actually listen to them and then explain to them how that won't really bring about anything. It's like, yeah, you want to kill, you want to kill all the pigs. I mean, you want to kill all the cops. That sounds very great. That's not, that that's that's yeah. Uh huh. Okay, cool. But after you do that, now what? Because you kill if you if you kill cops, they're gonna be on your ass. So it's like he so he explained it to them. So I so I really I fully so that part and I'm not and it's not and again. I not like I like that it's flawed because it leaves because I like that they left it to open to interpretation while not actually leaving it open to interpretation because Fred Hampton was never for the for, never for the violence because he would entertain you because when he would entertain because as you notice in the movie when they're talking about going to meet the crowns and oh, I'm gonna have my gun I'm gonna have my two guns he entertained that shit. But when the fight was actually about to break out, he made sure the day ass was inviting. He was like, man, we okay. We got to get the fuck out of here. You know, we got to make a break for it. We're going to leave our gun. We're going to leave these guns in the car. Even when he went to go meet the young patrons, we're going to leave these guns in the car. We're not doing none of that. So I do like that they gave him that complexity while also pulling back that complexity and letting you know that he was, he was flawed because he was, he was, he was, he was, he was, he wasn't flawed. He was flawed because he was young he was a young man, so it's like it's like he may he maybe he probably was battling that shit, but he was trying his best not to act on that shit. So he probably was just so I feel so that's me just interpreting that that I fully believe that he just was bait switching. He was baiting, so he was baiting, he was baiting and switching their ass. Like I'm gonna get you in here because remember a lot of the people that he's talking to their gang members. They don't like the fucking cops. So if I know you don't like the fucking cops, I'm gonna talk to you in a way that really articulates that way of your thinking. And then once I once I get you in here, once once I get you down, then I can let you know, hey, hmm, you know mm, that ain't that ain't you can do that, but that ain't really the way. That ain't the way. That ain't really that ain't really the way that you can get it. Again, you can't beat the system. By playing the system's game, you have to beat the system by inventing a new way to go about beating the beating the damn system. So yeah, so then you get the new. Also, they also dropped that bombshell that I did not even know, and I was like, whoa! Like you know, Fred Hampton, Fred Hampton's mother was babysitting Emmett Till, so that was dark. That was like dark and deep. Cause I, that's something I didn't even know. I'm like, wow, Fred Hampton's mom was ba- used to babysit William Till. I mean, Emmett Till. So that's like a really dark. So he got, so he got this leverage. So he got this thing. So he got this thing hanging on. He got certain things in life just hanging over him. And it got me to think. And like, so as the movie comes to an end, and you got William on, and you got William O'Neill. By the way, by the way, just just because I feel like I feel like we're getting really dark. I really I really feel like we're getting really dark here. But you got William O'Neill. 
I just want to point out that when the FBI agent, when the, when, 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 when Special Agent Mitchell is telling him what he wants William O'Neill to do, and William O'Neill is acting hesitant, and then he actually does it, he's still, he's still, it's still giving William O'Neill outs. Like, William O'Neill is deep enough into this program to know that the Black Panther Party is not these bad guys that y'all are claiming them to be. This is even after the shootout, this is after the events with the cops. You see that the cops are the, actually the antagonists in this. The, they're antagonizing this. So you actually have a so you actually have enough information to know that the police departments and the FBI is lying to you. And it made me think in that situation, like and like like Fred Hampton talks about it throughout the movie. Like he's really he's willing to die for the revolution. And I and it's like so you get to think it to yourself, what would I do in that type of situation? I don't I already know I wouldn't put myself in that situation because I won't be out here stealing no cars. But if the betterment of the people is for me to do five years for a car for a car because I because I because I don't because I refuse to I refuse to go I refuse to I refuse to go on the notion that if I don't do it somebody else gonna do it type thing because a lot of people are gonna do a lot of things in life that I'm not willing to do and I'm not but I'm not gonna do it on the premise of well if I don't do it somebody else gonna do it okay cool well you have your you show some morals let them they do just because they don't have morals on me you have to give away you have to give away your morals too just because they lost their morals like that's not something like that's just not something that i that i'm that i wanted that, that i wanted to do because the movie throughout the movie gave fred hampton and william o'neill's relationship to show that they're tight and close and that william o'neill was becoming a person that fred hampton would legit try william o'neill picked fred hampton up from fucking jail so he was a person, so he was a person that Fred Hampton truly trusted with his life. Trusted that man with his life. He was he was basically the basically the bodyguard at that point. So he get so William O'Neill had every chance to do right throughout this movie. He chose to keep on getting deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper into this. But what I was saying is, whenever they said whenever they give William O'Neill William O'Neill the poison and tells him to, to give it to to give it to um for Hampton, a cop doesn't have to actually tell you that they're a cop. You have to identify yourself as a cop. That's that's a fucking myth, right? But I figure I'll put that in there to make y'all laugh. Y'all probably ain't laughing at this point. So so it comes so it comes to the night. And y'all I got I, I ain't gonna lie, I didn't I didn't get emo I didn't get emotional like I thought I was gonna get emotional, but I damn I damn near lost it when, when the march at the at the Mark Clark sighting. When Mark Clark introduces himself, I was like, oh, man. Because you already know. Because, again, you already know how this is going to end. You know how it's going to be. And you already know this young man about to lose his life. You already know he's about to lose his life. So I'm like, oh, man, it's fucking coming. So I'm bracing myself. It's fucking coming. And it comes. It comes. It comes. And it and it comes and it depicted the same way that it was depicted when you're reading the FBI files, when you're reading, when I done spent my whole life reading about the night that Fred Hampton and Mark Clark dies. The same way I read it when I was young, the same way it's been depicted on the screen, the same way the Black Panther Party talks about it. It's the same fucking shit. The FBI, middle of the night, bang on the door, collusion with Cook County, Cook County police. They knock on the door. Marsh, Mark, 
Mark Clark is at the door. He's he's on he's no he's on night shift duty. They blow a hole through the door. Marshall 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 Clark is hit. Mark Clark is hit. Shotgun lets out it lets off a it lets off a it lets off it lets off one shot. It's not directed at nobody. It's just a, it just gives off a shot because you've just been killed. So your hand, you know, you're not actually shooting nobody, but you don't, you don't really, the cops don't really identify themselves. So you don't even know what the fuck's going on. So, so, so you're, so you, so you're, you don't know what the fuck's going on. 99 shots get let off into that apartment. One shot was let off out of Black Panthers, but it wasn't really a shot. I'm, I'm not really, a, I'm not really, a, I'm, I'm not really a, a tech, I'm, I'm not really versed in gun shooting, but I know a gun, a gun, a gun shot can go off when you, without you actually pulling a trigger. So that's what, so that's basically what happens. 99 shots go off. They catch Fred Hampton. They catch Fred Hampton in his bed. They shoot him, you know, they shoot him dead. They shoot him dead. Anybody, I'm not, I'm not even, I, I know, I know I, I get emotional talking about this, so I can't I can't even talk about this unemotionally. Cause you know, Fred Hampton didn't even have a chance to get up, to run, to defend himself or or just, you know, to fight to, to damn near fight. Nobody had a chance to fire back. They bust in and they just get the bus in, so you don't know what the fuck is going on. So you didn't even give it a chance to defend yourself. You die you die you 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 die you die basically in your sleep because you was of a drug overdose that William O'Neill spiked your drink with because William because William O'Neill William O'Neill whether or not he want to admit this or not we already know because the coroner said that he had he had he had the, the drugs was in his system. Frank Hampton was a straight laced person. Frank Hampton never did a drug a day in his life. But magically on the day that he died, that was like that. The, so it's. I don't like for I don't like I don't like William O'Neill, but you remember but you remember the you remember the woman that was but I spoke about about how she was the first person in the movie that he was talking to about the free breakfast program and all this other stuff. She was she was there that night. This ending of this movie is straight out of the FBI files. Like this is a, this is some sh- this is some shit that you can actually read. Fred Hampton Fred Hampton was assassinated. December 4th, 1968. And as you're, and, and as you're watching it, and as you're watching this, you see William, o, you see William, it ends with the William O'Neill interview again. And William O'Neill is trying to convince you that, oh, he doesn't feel, he doesn't feel anything about this and that he's not the reason in this, that, and the third. But William O'Neill, whether or not he felt like, whether or not he wanted to admit it or not, William O'Neill is the catalyst for the murder. William O'Neill mapped out the blueprint. He gave you a layout of this shit. It shit boggles my mind that even if you didn't want to give yourself up as an informant, you could have said, hey, yo, I'm getting some, like, I don't know or not this shit is true, but I think you need to take this shit seriously. We need to get you the fuck out of here tonight because they're saying that the FBI is coming to raid your house. Like, it's it's so many things, it's so many ways and there's so many things you could have did what you could have did what you knew was right. So he had the opportunity to do what was right countless times, and I do not believe that just because you're a young person does not mean that you do not have a sense of intelligence in your brain because you had because you had the sense of intelligence to know how to rob. You know how to you had a sense of intelligence to know how to rob without a gun. That takes some fucking thought process. Going back to the beginning, so when you see this interview and he's a grown ass man at this point and he's older in his years and he still had this smugness about himself. That shows that William O'Neill never, 
never, never gave a fuck about anybody but himself in any. So he sold out the revolution just so he had to go to jail. William O'Neill was a paid informant for the for the fucking for the FBI into the early into the early seventies. So when you hear about William O'Neill killing himself, it's the same shit out of Judas. It's the same shit. It's the same shit that Judas did. Judas couldn't live. Judas couldn't live with what he did, but Judas still did it nonetheless. So William O'Neill can live with it what he did, but he did it nonetheless. That man was paid to he man, the man basically made two hundred thousand dollars off the killing of the fucking revolution because again going back to the black panther party and i know a lot of people always wonder what happened after this is that the discipline was lost you have the one that's advocating for the non-violence and this that and the third in the communities but then i'm not gonna really get into detail with it right now because i really don't want to put you know that's some shit you got to research on your own but then it gets a little it gets a little it gets a little wild it gets a little it gets a little gets a little it gets a little let's just say that so it's no it's no william o'neill sympathy for william o'neill around here because at the end of the day william o'neill knew what he was doing he was smart enough and cognizant to know what he was doing he did it in the end and he can never be forgiven because the killing of peace is never something that you can come back from his soul ate at him for the rest of his life he may have not did that five years in jail but he spent his life going from witness protection to being out of witness protection to everybody knowing who you are as the person that's responsible for the death of Fred Hampton he was never able to live that down the people that was involved in the people that was involved in that raid that night with the FBI they would spend close to half their life soon just half their life fighting the system to get what would be the, to get the one that they get they get the Cook County to pay out 1.7 1.7 million dollars to them mind you they was convicted that night and charged with in charge with in charge with um f- charged with like in charge with like insulting officers and shit like that so there was there was they 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 could count like the like these police departments were so fucking crooked that they shot at you six ninety nine times and then tried to convict you of fucking crimes as you slept in your bed. <laughs> But I always wake up every day and I work. I work to better our system for I work. I work to better to better the opportunities for black people, because if it's one thing I would never let happen is that let that that Fred Hampton's assassination. Let him let him let him let his let his passing be passed in vain. And that's just my take on Judas and the Black Messiah. I'll see you all next week.